Market insight and analysis. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC Squawk on the Street. Good Thursday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer and David Faber at the New York Stock Exchange. Futures are down moderately on a morning of several big stories. U.K. election, ECB meeting, president huddling with advisors about whether to allow tariffs to kick in this weekend. And some upgrades, too, of GE, Home Depot, Starbucks and more. Europe is relatively soft. Watch bonds. Jobless claims hit a sudden two-year high at 252000 Our roadmap this morning begins with buy GE. UBS upgrades the stock, predicts a big rebound next year, and shares are rallying. Plus, wealth tax pushback. One new study finds that Elizabeth Warren's plan would raise nearly 30 percent less than projected. And that tariff deadline is looming. Stocks point to a lower open as the president prepares to meet with his top trade advisors today. Let's begin with Apple. Shares uh, down more than a percent this morning on the heels of this new note uh, from Credit Suisse that Becky and Joe just mentioned, saying that iPhone shipments did drop 35 percent in China. Analysts warning of the ongoing tariff threats. They do couch it, Jim, by saying that there's some seasonality here, uh, the timing of the calendar slightly off, but the second double-digit drop in a row. There. Right, and they do. Uh, this is an important note. I, they also talk about how tariff costs, if the tariffs are allowed to uh, be put on this weekend, will cost $67 more for the United States uh, for an Apple phone. So this is definitely a negative. Uh, I, I always say uh, own it, don't trade it. I need to know more because I know that a lot of these different surveys about what's really going on in China have been inaccurate, but this will control the narrative today. And the narrative implies basically that the Chinese government, I think, doesn't want you to buy Apple. And I don't think that's the case, but that when I read this, that's certainly how I feel. Uh, they go on to say that if uh, they did have to account for tariffs in the U.S. market, about a third of calendar 18 iPhone sales, that they'd have a difficult time pushing it through to consumers without an impact on demand. Do we look at the fact that this gentleman, uh, uh, Matthew uh, Cabral, uh, excuse me if I'm mispronouncing it, uh, had a $221 target price that's certainly ill-advised and has a neutral on it. And so I balance (laughs) this look at uh, China with the uh, purposeful need to have the facts fit within the story time frame. Uh, Because right now he's been wrong. So maybe this is a, a gambit. It does feel as though we get these reports about China that alternate between okay or negative, but it doesn't, certainly hasn't meant much during the course of the year. We were talking about Apple's incredible performance yesterday of 71% or so this year, year to date. Right. Coming off, obviously, the lows that it really did see early last year after that warning on China, which seems like a long time ago. Yes, $142 down there in January. Now, uh, I spoke to Tim Cook uh, along with my friend Josh Lipton when they reported their last quarter. Certainly, this was not uh, something that they didn't know the November numbers. But I do feel that people are going to sell the stock and sell it hard on this until someone refutes it. Uh, Now, the one thing I would say is is that I want to hear, I don't know if we have Katie Uberty from Morgan Stanley. She's always had a better handle on China than any other analyst. Uh, But this uh, decline meaningfully, that's the term that they use, Credit Suisse, is going to impact trading. Uh, And I think it's front and center for the tariffs for people saying, well, listen, who's really going to be hurt by the tariffs? So, you know, this is a gang up. I mean, this is a well-timed piece to bring uh, that will make people uh, say, wait a second, maybe it's really happening at last. Did not in the Nike, did not in the Starbucks, 
Hasn't happened to a lot of companies do business in China. I had right. trade desk on last night. But it is happening in Apple. The government doesn't want to buy it. It does bring us to uh, the meeting with the president today, Navarro, Mnuchin, Kudlow, yes. Lighthizer. Uh, we've talked about I will not be there. You won't be there. Uh, Steve Bannon, of course, uh, using you as an example of a, quote, liberal Democrat who supports walking away. Uh, I have that. a voting record. I have a giving record and a voting record. I'm not going to hide that from when I was Nobody allowed listening to. Nobody listening to our air over the last two years would think that. But, but, then, right. but then today, Reuters has a piece. They cite one source who expects tariffs to go through and says the White House is prepping communications to justify the move, saying it will not be that painful. Well, I mean, when you look at it, what is it? It's uh, there's one hundred and fifty billion and there's a lot of different things that industries that they took from us. I mean, footwear, uh, making of, of uh, children's safety. Right. I mean, high chairs and uh, car seats. Food. Yep. Uh, they've uh, the Chinese have steadily taken the toy industry away from us. Hasbro from that. Mattel's been trying to take it back. Uh, there's no doubt in my mind that. It will uh, there be some impact, but it'll be eaten by somebody. It's not going to be eaten by Target or Walmart. Their margins are too good. I think it'll be eaten by the Chinese because these are very low skilled jobs. And the low skilled jobs coupled with ports that can be developed away from China, they're going to lose those jobs. They're going to lose those jobs. And I think that the Chinese, I know they're playing the long game. Their long game does not jive with either the Democratic or Republican Party, other than, than I think Joe Biden, who represents the traditional Democratic wing, which says let's uh, hurt the worker and move the business to China because the, the Democratic Party, and hear me on this, this is very true, Democratic Party has consistently sold out the work on behalf of, the, of, of capitalism. And I think it's a shame that Republicans have done it too. That was why there was such a joy to the original NAFTA. But the Democrats have not fought for these jobs. So uh, I don't think, other than the fact that the Chinese use a lot of coal, the, uh, you're going to see, this is if Biden's the candidate, it, it, things aren't going to get better for the worker under Biden. They're just not. Those jobs aren't coming back here. Now, Martin they're, they're Franklin. Expensive, it's expensive labor, Jim. Stuff yeah. But Martin Franklin, who uh, ran Jordan, remember, bought by Newell, uh, brought back a lot of the products that are being tariffed to Mexico. And under the new uh, NAFTA 2, right. that's well, the smart thing to do. Then they come in, that's, that, that's that, the smart that thing to do. Listen, I, very what? interesting journal article a couple of days ago, though, about the rise in automation in, on factory floors all over this country, the reduction in jobs, but the need, frankly, for a college education or and or significant education, whether it comes with math and or coding and things of that right. nature. So you keep talking about a world that doesn't exist anymore when you talk about these jobs coming back. Dystopian world. I mean, no, I'm talking these about... These are not the jobs of the future anyway. Well, they're not going to be J.P. Stevens, which I helped strike against to try to get it. Well, no, they're organized against. You've got to, to, go you've got to know them. how to code. You've got to know how to run well, the actual the, automation that's going on on the factory floor, the robots. That's going to be what we're talking but about. But you can learn coding. That's the whole point of the book Trailblazer by Mark Benioff. Coding is not something that is, uh, it is a foreign language, but foreign languages can be learned. I'm not saying, David, that these unskilled jobs, like the 900,000 seamstress jobs that existed in this country in 1990 that are now gone, they're not coming back. No, 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 they're not coming back, okay? Right. Uh, but that does not mean we should necessarily finance a, st- a, a, a country of theft that steals our intellectual property, that dumps their goods on, on us. I don't think anybody would disagree well, with that. Well, then why doesn't that matter? 
Oh, it does matter. I'm not oh. saying it doesn't. But I, but making arguments about which political candidate is necessarily going to bring no, no, and or not look out for the no, worker, I think, is No, a I'm just saying that both parties have historically supported... No, I don't globalization. remember. Right, they've supported globalization. Thank you. That's a better. And way perhaps to the mistaken assumption that China would become a fair player in the right. world marketplace. Well, didn't you think they and would? And 20 years after joining the WTO, it's clear they have. I thought they would. Yeah. I was naive. I'm calling myself. Oh, you're naive. not alone. Thank you. The bottom line is can we get Sunday tariffs and have this market be as stable as it appears to be this morning? I think it. After a couple of days, yes, because I think people will start looking at there's some excellent lists that are available if you Google it about what's impacted. And I think you'll find there are a lot of things that are impacted that are basically things that you buy at Walmart. And I, I've got to tell you, those will not be the one thousand dollar increase per worker. You just will, per uh, family. You will not see it. These are things that uh, that a company like Walmart is quite adept at managing. Remember how many people shop at Walmart. That's Walmart is where you shop. Target is where you shop. Costco is where you shop. Home Depot is where you shop Lyft, according to the very discouraging report yesterday. about. Are you more discouraged about shrinkage. it today than you were yesterday? No, now they've de-risked it, but I, I think I like Home Depot too much. It's one of my takeaways from yesterday. It's one of the major upgrades this morning, along with GE uh, yes. being upgraded by UBS to buy from Hold. Firm says the stock is at a positive inflection point going into the new year, citing what it calls successful delevering, uh, free cash flow, um, crossing the sentiment chasm, Jim. They go to 14. Yeah, I mean, this is Tolstoyan in its size. Uh, but it does talk about how aviation's good. Uh, I love this one. Power rising from the ashes, because power's been the, the black hole. I think that this is a piece that was written by Larry Kolb. For, I'm sorry, written by UBS. And it is the evidence lab. It's been powered by the evidence lab. It's been so they got that going for them. David, the evidence lab is like NCIS. It's, it's a very good franchise. They put that little stamp on right. there, and then you know it's all good. Yes. Yeah. Thursdays yes. on CBS. Yes. Yes, exactly. Cool. CBS. What did you do? I did evidence lab stamp. Yes, the evidence yeah. lab stamp. Now, can I just say that this is a 2020 story. This is more bullish. I'm going to say it. More bullish than Larry Cole plays out. Well, listen, the last quarter... Uh, when they increased margin, margins by 130 basis points. They increased their free cash flow guidance. Now, the bears, led by you-know-who, would say, well, it's still not enough to, gener- you know, to justify on a valuation basis. But there's a belief that, listen, of the narrow-body airplanes out there, what do they got, an 86% share, yeah. the lead yeah. engine? Well, that's you good know, and these guys seem to be focused on the fact that aviation, which is two-thirds of the company's industrial uh, enterprise value, will have a 6% organic growth, CAGR, annual growth rate from now till 2025. Right, but again, I, I, Larry Culp is not being as aggressive as this guy. Larry Culp is saying, look, I hope that the, you know, maybe a, a year from now we're going to see a pretty good turn in 2020. This is a piece that's basically just saying, you know, gas power would be a net contributor starting in 2020. I don't think that you can get Larry Culp to say that. No, maybe not. He hasn't said much. Um, there is a belief, though, I think, Jim, that they enter next year finally a sort of on their front foot. And that is due that to like management. That and that like is due to what Mr. Culp has been able to do so far. Uh, but they've disappointed in the past when, when there's been a belief that that would sort of be the narrative going into a new year for GE. Well, well that's why Larry Culp, this is a, I don't like that this is, this is not a setup that Larry Culp can miss. I'm just saying that I, Larry Culp is an amazing executive. And he has not been as uh, effusive about his own company as the evidence lab is. Right. They're going with, what are they, their price target, which is 14. Right. 
Some of the parts also implies a next 12-month PE multiple of 16 times. Again, that that's is, appropriate? That's not what Larry Culp is talking about, a right. sum of the parts. No. Not at all. No, why would you? It's not, no. It's not, it doesn't seem to be valid. So the forensic evidence of the U.S. evidence lab, of the UBS evidence lab, is too aggressive. I'm not saying that, um, that Steve Tusa, I don't know what you called him, you had some somewhat disparaging name for him. I didn't. You, you, said, you did. You just said, like, whoever. So, Tusa's too bearish, UBS yes. is too bullish. Yes, I think that's absolutely right. UBS reads like a, a, a stud bull, and um, I have to tell you that Tusa reads kind of like well, a Kodiak. You've, you've discussed Tusa in the past, saying that you feel like he's he got too Kodiak. And he's, listen, as right as he was for as long as he was, he missed a big move in the stock. Overstayed as well. He overstayed. But I, I'm with Larry Cole. Things could be good in 2020. I'm not with the evidence lab. I think that is this is this the one with uh, LL Cool J? Is it the one in Vegas? Which which one is it? I haven't like, watched since the original. You're, you're, no. you're too young no, for me. the demo. I'm like, it's most I'm watched, an anachronism. It's the most watched uh, network of uh, CBS and <laughs> was the most watched back yeah. when I watched 25 years ago. Yeah, that's when you had rabbit ears. <laughs> uh, we'll get Kramer's Mad Dash. We'll count down to the opening bell. We mentioned the upgrade of GE. There's also an upgrade of Home Depot and Starbucks that we'll get to. Lagarde's on the tape saying, suggesting that negative rates do work. Squawk on the street from the NYC continues in a moment. All right, 14 minutes before we get started here for uh, trading at the uh, NYC. Not sure what that ruckus is about. We'll, not sure. we'll find out. But let's talk about Lululemon and the Mad Dash. I think there's some bogus reportage this morning about Lululemon. This was an extraordinary good quarter. Extraordinarily. And what I heard was that there was a guy down, a shade down. That is just not true. There are six fewer days in this holiday period versus last year. The company's firing on all cylinders. May I suggest that people read Matthew Boss, who I think tells the best story about how great this quarter was and how the forecast is really in line. They're doing so much better than expected. And I've got to tell you, they figured out the mall, too. You know, they've got these uh, experiential stores that make you feel like you want to sweat when you get in there. And they're doing sweat life. Yes. And they're doing a lot of uh, of uh, events around the country. They had a lot in Canada and they're doing so well overseas. So those who uh, recognized, yes, it's up a lot. I understand that there could be profit taking, but it's not because of a shade down in forecast. That's simply not accurate. And I think when you see these stories that they're written, the headlines are written by machines because this was a terrific conference call. Great quarter. You actually make a very good point. I've heard that, and I'm sure you have, from any number of exec CEOs who find their earnings release done by a machine yes. or by somebody in another country yes. who doesn't really understand and or misses it. Right. There are multiple questions in the Q&A, not that the machines ever read the Q&A, right. that say, listen, did you really guide down? They say, no, 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 no. If anything, we're taking numbers up. Business is very good. Though all that verbiage has been completely obliterated by some stupid machine yeah. that says, you know what? Hey, court, uh, cut forecast. Should a stock, can a stock go down after being up 87%? Yes. Of course. But should it be dead? But, but it's not from the forecast. The forecast is strong. The forecast was fine. The forecast did not call for pain. No, it's no. not a Mr. T situation. By the way, that was the best of the Rockies. Rocky three. We uh, got to go because we got an uh, opening bell coming up next. Stay with us. Christine Lagarde giving her first press conference as ECB president. Let's get to Steve Leisman in Washington. Steve. 
Yeah, Carl, to, to quote our producer, uh, it's a new day in Europe, a new ECB president taking the helm, Christine Lagarde, the former IMF d- uh, director, with her inaugural press conference. Uh, and, and I want to play you some sound from that. And you, what I think you'll hear is that here's a person trying to have continuity with the prior, um, with the, with the prior uh, ECB president, but also stake out her own uh, character as, as president here. I mean, they now say, actually. On the toolbox, um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to revisit the past, number one. Policy decisions that were made stand uh, and, uh, and were um, re-endorsed, neither a dove nor a hawk. And my ambition is to be this owl that um, is also often associated with a little bit of wisdom. So on actual news, she sees trade tensions easing. I think there's going to be some clarity in Brexit. Uh, see some stabilization in the euro economy. Well, the ECB did downgrade uh, 2020 forecast of GDP from uh, 1.2 to 1.1 percent. Overall, she says she's going to have her own style. And you can see that maybe the analogy we're going to talk about, Carl, is the remember we have the Greenspan briefcase. Perhaps the uh, Lagarde scarf is our indicator from now on. Yes, the blue scarf. Uh, while I have you, Steve, um, are you taken aback by the spike in claims, or is this Thanksgiving at work? Uh, yeah, I, I think it's probably seasonals. And you know me, I'm not going to make a big jump on a month's worth of data, let alone a, a single week's worth of data. Uh, we'll take that easy, and we'll, we'll just watch it. I, I, my surprise was that it came down. I thought for sure the uh, job market would weaken a bit. It might show up in claims, might show up in payrolls. Payrolls ended up blowing the door off with the 266. So uh, I, I would not be surprised to see some weakening in the job market from here, uh, but not one that would lead me to suspect that uh, overall you have a falling off to, to really weak levels. All right. Uh, Steve, been a busy week for you, obviously, with the Fed meeting yesterday. Uh, good questioning, by the way. Our Steve Leisman in Washington. We'll get the opening bell in seven minutes. Don't go away. You're watching CNBC Squawk on the Street, live from the financial capital of the world, the opening bell in just under four minutes. A lot of airline news today, Jim, whether it's the Delta forecast or what we think is now an agreement between Love and Boeing. Isn't that something? And and talking about, Gary Kelly sat right there, talked about something that I think would have been much more rancorous than this. Here's a settlement that would be advantageous for both workers and and for uh, shareholders. Uh, I, I continue to believe... To marvel that yesterday Boeing stock was down six after Phil Lebeau's excellent interview, and it closed unchanged. I mean, this is a stock that institutions want to own. It, it really is. They just, I mean, again, I've said this so many times, the year that this company's had, and yet its stock is still up double digits. Because that's what happens when you are part of a duopoly that is in demand. I mean, yesterday, Dave Cody, two days ago, Dave Cody was talking about the idea that one of the great industries he liked was aerospace because it's a secular uh, increase because most people still haven't been on planes. Yeah. So I think people just say, you know what, Boeing's going to get through this, which is something I agree with. Uh, and it's just going to take a little bit longer. But if that's all they owe is Southwest, and a lot of these cash flow worries that I keep hearing about, and I know American wants money too, may not be as dire. That was a pretty easy settlement for Boeing to make, I think. Delta Z Bastion has been very prescient, though, on the timing of the return to service of the MAX. He told us back in June it would take a lot longer than people thought. Uh, this morning he talked about uh, Boeing and their forecast for 2020. 
I do think it, that Boeing will do the right thing, and you know, we're all waiting for that plane to come back into the sky, because what we need is we need Boeing focused on development and technology and the new frontiers of innovation that right now, unfortunately, they're paralyzed. Meanwhile, they see uh, 2020 earnings basically to the high side of the consensus. Right. I, I think that these are all, I mean, talk about something you just can't. You can't determine. I mean, right. fate's in the hand of the government. Uh, Plus, I mean, I, I think that the people on Squawk Box were asking that same question that a lot of us are asking. Would you put your family members on? I, I think that if, if and when the uh, organizations that examine these things and make determinations say it's fine, the answer is yes. Until then, how, do, how, how can we make an earnings estimate? I know Boeing has to because that's one of the things that you have to do in, in your accounting. But I don't have faith in Boeing's estimate because I'm not sure they have faith. They don't know. Speaking of another airline, FedEx got an upgrade today. Yeah, how do you like that? See that? So to speak. I kid because, of course, that is one of the criticisms. They have so many airplanes. Right. Uh, UBS, again, saying, can it get much worse? And they upgraded to a neutral, which you have to respect because they actually had a sell on this thing, and it's been a it's been good right. call. Yeah, I'm not expecting a good second quarter. They're not creating any sort of expectations. Uh, this is a stock that a lot of people want to own. I keep coming back and talking about co-hosts. Uh, UPS, uh, UPS post David Abbott. Yes, yes. Oh, <laughs> got it. Sorry. But I think UPS, David does join us a lot. I think that UPS is the winner here, but FedEx's stock is down so low. I, I just find, though, that there are so many companies doing so well. Why do I have to buy, anticipate the big inflection point? I mean, that's why I have a problem with GE. In, in, anticipating inflection points is very difficult in this environment. Let's get the opening bell here and the S&P 500 at the CNBC Real-Time Exchange. At the big board today, celebrating an IPO, it's Bill.com, a financial software services provider for small and middle-sized businesses. We'll talk to the CEO of Squawk over the NASDAQ. Here's the opening bell there. As we uh, take a look at what appears to be a pretty solid open futures, obviously muted to the downside all day. This morning, I was thinking about, well, what can really happen? You had a Fed meeting that was basically benign. You don't even really talk about it. Uh, you do have a huge meeting with uh, the president, both sides, trying to determine. Uh, why would you be aggressive right here and buy stock ahead, ahead of what could be a rocky weekend? Where there'll be some people who just say, you know what? I, I was hoping for a deal or I was expecting a deal. Get ready, if there is no deal, to do some buying of companies that are doing quite well domestically. Uh, what, what kind of discount do we think on Monday? Well, you know, I think that you could get uh, you get one of those openings down 1% to 2%. Uh, employment's still strong. Yep. Uh, a lot of, I mean, let's talk about Home Depot for a second. Home Depot, the, the narrative around Home Depot was that they're slowing in housing. I'm not buying that at all. We just had we just had Toll Brothers the other day talk about 10 markets that things are great in. So this whole narrative of things are slowing in the country, I am not buying. Yes, Class C malls, business is slowing. Children's Place, which they say they're an A and B malls. But Credit Suisse agrees with you. They go to outperform today, 235. Expectations have been reset. Right. Um, and relative valuation to the S&P at these levels, historically, they say it's been a good entry point. Yes. I mean, Credit Suisse taketh away with this Apple hitch. I mean, it's negative piece about Apple. <laughs> and they give you the uh, positive there. Um, 
I still am stunned by this. I just am not willing to to go with this Apple piece of Credit Suisse until I get another a confirming voice. There have been too many people who have lost this money telling us to trade out of Apple based on a data point that turned out to be false. Particularly as it relates to China. Yes. I think it's fair to say. And I just think but even when the company warned about it, it didn't really the market didn't it responded briefly. And then it sort of was the long march upward. Well, remember, did long march. You are so clever you like that. You just cut you like those things where like the teases that we do at the network make little jokes coming out. Uh, but I, do I learned think, from you, Jim. Thank you very much. Remember, uh, we Apple peaked uh, 100 points below. It peaked in that, that fable first week of October where um, a very rookie uh Fed chief made some ill-informed statements on crazy talk shows, uh, and Apple started going down after that, and then Apple bottomed when people realized, well, wait a second, it's been de-risked. This is kind of what I thought would happen with Home Depot. I thought it would be de-risked uh, before that meeting, and it wasn't, but I, you know, look, you sell Apple here. Tell me where you're going to get back in. When you have a 247, 239, when are you going to go back in there? What do you got there? But that's not to say that if, in fact, there was a significant slowdown or or giving up of continued giving up of market share in China, it wouldn't be important for this company. There's no doubt about it. It is important. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Um, China is a very important part of their revenue base, no doubt. Yes, it is. But I'm just saying, can I have a, a confirmatory? I need a confirmatory because I have found that the well, like periodically we'll get some entity, some South China newspaper that says that Apple has shut down production in these seven product lines. And it'll turn out to be, well, you know what? They moved the production elsewhere. Right. Uh, and don't forget 5G. You're going to come in right here and you're going to wham and jam and sell Apple. There's some clan. I mean, there's some ill-advised individual on Twitter, of which I have many today because I've, Steve Bannon said something positive about my view, uh, saying, you know what? Look, I'm short Apple here. It's time to short Apple. Again, I always come back to when do you go long Apple? When do you walk away? When, when, because if you have 5G, which is going to be maybe one of the greatest secular trends in history. Listen, that Cisco meeting yesterday that, uh, that Robbins led. I don't know if you can get out and get in. I don't know. It's too hard. Starbucks, the other upgrade, series of upgrades today. JPM goes to overweight, 94 target. Uh, after an investor meeting that they held at HQ, they went to neutral in July, the first time they had not had an overweight in 15 years. At the top, they yeah. went to neutral. So now they come in. They do talk about how the comp, they're feeling very good about 5% comps. When you speak to Kevin Johnson, he's talking to growth, growth at scale, which I keep hoping McDonald's will have. Growth at scale, maybe McDonald's can have that aspirational 4%. Uh, and there they talk about maybe uh, China a little bit weaker, plus or minus. But Starbucks is doing quite well. And the stock, when it declined from, 80, uh, from 99 to 84, Kevin Johnson came on my show at the Air Force, at U.S. Air Force Academy, and said, I'm buying the stock hand over fist for the company. And that was, if you take a look, the exact bottom in the stock. Exact bottom. I'm looking at the same thing you're looking at. Okay. Just the UBS. Up. It's not the evidence lab, though. No? No. Uh, and I don't know. Actually, this is yeah, J.P. Morgan anyway. Oh, yeah. J.P. Morgan does not have an evidence no, lab. No, they don't. But maybe they'll get one. But uh, Kristen Lemkow is going to be part of a new group. I did see that. Kristen one Lemkow going right? to run a new sort of effort on their part in terms right. of not private wealth management, but giving more... F- Financial advisory and bringing right. things together at J.P. Morgan. Congratulations in terms of to a person servicing some of their higher-end clients. Right? Maybe one of the most well-liked person on Wall Street. Uh, no. uh, God, I can. Yeah, I remember when she was young, like me, once. Well, that's what happens, David. I've heard that. I refuse to accept it. 
her brother's doing quite well at uh, See that guy in 60 Minutes who might be able to reverse aging? Come on. Can we bring back Ted Williams? He batted 400. <laughs> he's, he's, he's cryogenically had his brain frozen. You never know. Too better now. That's not bad. No. My Are you going to have your brain cryogenically frozen? Because no, I'm going to live to 1,000. Why do I need it? Thousand. We've got a lot more years ahead for it. Thousand year old man. How is a thousand year old man doing? Man. Um, How's Mel Torme doing? Good. People yesterday Carl Reiner, who work on Mel a real hard show. All that I heard all day was Did you know that Carl met Mel Torme? I mean, uh, we, do, we work for thousands of hours on the show. And like, Did you know that Carl certainly got to meet? And people love Mel Torme. They apparently. do. They do, as they should. Um, yeah. Guys, I uh, haven't really updated the ongoing trial, only a few. Locks up the street yeah. on Pearl Street here, of course, uh, State AGs versus uh, Sprint and T-Mobile. Uh, today, John Ledger, uh, Mike Sievert, Ledger, current CEO, Sievert, CEO to be, come CEO very soon, uh, going to take the stand. State AG is going to rest at least, it, it seems, and the yes. defense is going to begin. Very much unclear at this point. So much at stake, though, for these two companies. Remember, there is no merger agreement. No. I'm coming back to that because... It's really weird that you don't see two. They let the merger agreement expire. They don't have a new one. Um, are there talks to try to settle? One would imagine that you could keep trying to settle with the states, right? We see it plenty of times in the middle of a trial, too. Will it happen? Who knows? I've already talked about the expectation that if they even get to the finish line, there will be some sort of price cut. But look at the spread. Sprint is trading at 40% below the implied price for the previous deal. So. It's interesting in so many ways as you try to understand what will happen here in court, whether there's really a chance for a settlement, what the price cut will be, what if they get, if they don't, if, if the deal is turned down by Judge Marrero, what happens to Dish? Charlie Ergen going to take the stand, we think, next week. Um, that's my update. I know it's not much, sorry. No, it is because when I speak to people who are involved in 5G, they all say the same thing. We need these companies merged. When I speak to people who are involved with your bill, they say, wait a second, four into three won't go. We need many companies while, competing. You, while we're talking, guys, really quick, um, 15 uh, point jump in S&P, uh, Dow's up 85 on this presidential tweet, getting very close to a big deal with China. They want it, and so do we. Very in all caps, big deal in all caps. It doesn't take much for this market, Jim. Any word from Well, him? then you, uh, you buy Apple because then what happens is, is that if there's a deal, then maybe the Chinese say, you know what, we want to encourage Apple. I mean, again, th- there's a big meaning tomorrow. I have said on Mad Money many times, I, uh, you don't know what's going to happen. So be prepared if there's a decline uh, so you can buy good stocks. Uh, and if there's a deal, well, God love you. Things are fine. But the Apple reversal this morning against the evidence lab of UBS is a bright front and center. You get a deal with China. They love the Apple iPhone. They do. A big deal with China, is that different than a phase one deal? It's hard to imagine it would be anything more than what we've anticipated, but it would still be. What little we've had to go on, the uh, the ag secretary, Purdue, on Fox, uh, did say that China's committing to 50 billion in ag but they won't put it in writing and that is, that is the holdup according to Purdue it's pork that is where the president is most aggrieved they need to see a deal with pork because the Chinese don't have a healthy hog business and we do and that's the one that the president's been mystified why don't they just come in and buy pork but I, I look I continue to think you don't need to you don't need a deal you don't need a deal. So, like, don't decide that your whole uh, investment portfolio is dependent upon a deal. Will you That's be disappointed is the, if there is one? Well, I'm disappointed if there is one. Wow. 
Kind of, yeah. <laughs> kind of. I mean, geez, when are you going to take them on? You Because you want an extended conflict, trade I conflict. I think the longer that we have one, the more uh, we stop financing their intellectual property theft, uh, their cyber... Uh, boy, I tell you, I, when I speak to these cyber... Uh, David, the hacking, it's nonstop no, during it, this it, period. Listen, we, we first pointed it out, I think it's seven years ago I did that piece, or eight years ago. Um, Would you use when it your became phone a board if of you directors. were in China? No, of course not. You have, you have to, to get a burner phone. explain that to people? Because I think most people feel like, hey, I'll use mine. They're um, listening. No, I, they are. Listen, I can remember having conversations. Uh, uh, corporate America was a little late to wake up to it. I mean, you had big corporate. Goldman Sachs had a board meeting there. They would have board meetings over there because they thought it was important. Can you imagine what the Chinese were listening to? But everybody's aware of it. There is, uh, it is, it's been a board level uh, issue for years now in terms of corporations being aware, being a lot more careful, and t- employing so many of the firms you talk so often about, Jim, in terms of cybersecurity. There, look, because the Chinese have been so aggressive for so long in trying to steal uh, intellectual property secrets. Well, is it a Cold War? I mean, I think that it, it could ratchet up if the Chinese don't come in and buy. They have to show good faith, and they haven't. Meanwhile, uh, the gaming stock's doing very well. Uh, Xi is expected to go to Macau and offer some policy rewards. Uh, the reporting says in return for them not having the social unrest that Hong Kong has had. That's interesting because that is one of the things that the president was counting on, was that the uh, that she would bless Sheldon Adelson, Sheldon. Las Vegas Sands. Do you know that? I used to call it Macau Sands. That that is a deal point that the president wants. Wants good news for Las Vegas Sands. Because he's such a huge supporter, Adelson? Yeah. Well, that happens. Just pointing it out. Yeah. So with that, nearly uh, every Dow component has suddenly gone green, uh, except for Boeing. Uh, Apple, maybe, too. Let's get to Bob Pisani. Bob? Well, we've heard it before, uh, very close to a deal. President Trump, obviously, President Trump's tweet, obviously moving stocks into positive territory. Uh, it was sort of mixed there right at the open initially. Let's, let me show you some of the sectors. Transports were a little bit weak. UPS had a, a now turned positive. Uh, UPS uh, had a... Uh, was, was down here. They had a price cut over at Morgan Stanley. Utilities flat. Banks have moved into positive territory. And energy is doing very, very well this week. Uh, no drop in energy, despite the fact that the Aramco deal is essentially sucking up all of the oxygen in the room around, uh, around uh, the energy debate here. And we finally did get some comments here. Saudi Aramco did come out up, we got a four, up 4.5% again. We got the $2 trillion valuation that they were looking for. You got to hand it to them. Quite a feat to pull that off. We did get our first analyst uh, uh, commentary, uh, Sanford Bernstein, the first one that I know about that at least put a rating on that. Uh, their rating is an underperform here, it's saying too much too soon. Risks of corporate governance risks. Of course, the government owns 98%. Low dividend yield, it's about 4.4%. Exxon has 5% dividend yield, so they got a point uh, about that. Saudi Aramco, there it is, $2 trillion. And as I keep pointing out, the entire market capitalization of Every U.S. oil and gas stock is $1.1 trillion. You have almost twice as much in a single company as the entire energy sector of the S&P 500. Uh, let's move on here. IPOs, uh, we're reaching the end of it. A couple of interesting ones coming out here. Uh, this is a, a Chinese company that we're waiting for uh, tomorrow, but essentially had the pricing terms cut almost in half overnight. This is a Chinese company, uh, again, uh, 26 million shares, 9 to $10. The prior range, $36 million to 12 to 14 So you see here, that's uh, almost cut in half. This is backed heavily by SoftBank, so this is one of the reasons there's a lot of interest in it. But these Chinese IPOs have not 
had a good year at all. We've had uh, 22 uh, year to date here. Uh, 2018, we had 35. So it's a noticeable drop here. The average return this year for China IPOs down 18 percent. This isn't a year when I the average IPO here is probably up close to 20 percent. Uh, on the year. So they're not working at all. There's a number of reasons why they're not working. If you take a look here, you can see what's going on here. We've had slowing growth in China. That's obviously a problem. Trade tensions. They've had poor performance overall. That begets uh, selling here. And we've seen some tighter regulatory oversight here in the United States. NASDAQ has recently tightened some of the regulatory requirements for that uh, as well here. Uh, what's going to happen here if this keeps up into 2020? A lot of these Chinese firms aren't going to come over here anymore. They're going to essentially try to raise money over in China. This may already be happening with Alibaba. Remember, a short while ago, they did a dual listing here. Now, they're listed in Hong Kong as well, fairly small amounts, but that may be an indication of what may be happening in the future. That stock moved up very nicely ever since that was announced, uh, and that stock is sitting right near the highs for the year. But IPOs here in the U.S., plenty of demand for high-tech IPOs. Here's a unicorn going public here. Bill.com, automated billing platform here, 9.8 million shares at $22. Wait a minute, the price talk was 8.8, not 9.8, at 19 to 21. This not only is pricing above the range, it's pricing with more shares in it. Here's a success. So it's not the IPO market that's falling apart. Bottom line here is there's a lot of demand for this kind of uh, IPO, the technology. Take a look at the IPO ETF, up 30% so far this year. It is outperforming, Carl. The S&P 500. Back to you. All right. Uh, Thanks, Bob. Getting a move in yields as well on that presidential tweet. Let's get to Rick Santelli at the CME. Hey, Rick. Yes, uh, definitely. And this, the way we're coming out of this Fed meeting and and the way we went into it is very similar to the October 29th and 30th. Of course, yesterday didn't result in a quarter point decrease in the rate. But nonetheless, consider we had a cool PPI or certainly tame. Let's use the word tame producer price index. Then the president's tweets, well, uh, before we even got to that, look at the jump we had in jobless claims. Now, I rarely show a chart of initial jobless claims, and we know it was seasonally impacted by Thanksgiving. But the 252,000, that happens to be the highest level, and I couldn't believe this when I looked it up. September of 2017. Okay, now look at a two-day of twos. Definitely popped up. It's up one basis point now. Now let's look at a two-day of tens, up four basis points. So we have a lot of moving parts here. We're coming out of the meeting with rates moving a bit higher, as we did at the end of October. The long end is leading again. We flatten going into both of the last couple meetings. We start steepening coming out of them. And the long end responding to issues that aren't really related to data. Long end rates going up on the data I saw for November PPI doesn't add up. But once you add in the tweet, it certainly does. And we all know that this was Christine Lagarde's uh, first press conference. And even though there isn't a lot of new policy changes, maybe that is the point. Uh, Steve Leisman put it adequately and, and right to the point. She's trying to give some continuity. But despite that continuity, people have hopes, especially for fiscal stimulus. Look at a one-week chart of the euro currency versus the dollar. A lot of volatility today, and it really has cleared the zone. Now well over a 111 handle. Carl, David, Jim, back to you. All right. A lot of boiling pots today, Rick. Thank you. Uh, meantime, the WeWork saga is set for some Hollywood treatment. Hollywood Reporter says the new series is in the works based on the upcoming book from reporters Elliot Brown and Maureen Farrell in the starring role of Adam Newman, actor Nicholas Braun, who's known for his role as Cousin Greg on HBO's hit show Succession. And you can bet there's some good 
dramatic narrative they can spin out of what we already know has actually happened in real life. It's amazing. The books are, uh, or have been underway for some time. Uh, that actor in question is very tall, like, uh, like Adam himself, so they did go for the physical resemblance. There he is, Cousin Greg. Love him in that show, by the way. You gotta catch There's nothing show. like Cousin Greg and Tom talking in succession. You're too far behind. You are way behind. Well, but that's good. They won't, be, they won't have the new season out for quite some time of succession. But there's uh, Adam Newman. I, I don't know. What to say. I don't know. Bobby, I think we know the story. Oh, yeah. No. What is Adam going to do, though? Thurs? What does Adam do with the rest of his life? It's not Thurs. No, what it's does not he do with the rest of his life? I don't know. He's rich. Well, uh, Senator Cotton on Squawk today says he wouldn't, he wouldn't mind having some hearings, uh, having Newman testify, perhaps. Wow. Yeah. To what end? That'd be exciting. What, what's the, what are they trying dramatic. to figure out there? It wasn't a public company. I don't know. The public markets actually rejected it. They want some entertainment The system down there. worked in a way. He's a funny guy. Adam. Hysterical. Very charismatic fellow. Yeah. Hysterical guy. By the way, check out our podcast, won't you? Uh, listen to the opening bell hour of Squawk on the Street, wherever you hear podcasts. Mark it up a very quick 142 on the Dow. As the president tweets a moment ago, getting very close to a big deal with China. They want it, and so do we. Apple, over the last three hours, uh, dragged down by this call out of Credit Suisse, uh, throwing some cold water on iPhone sales in China, but a presidential tweet turns that nearly around, back to 270. We'll get stopped trading with Jim in a minute. Let's get to Jim and stop trading. People want a China stock. People want a 5G stock. People want Hawk Tan. People want Broadcom. They report after the bell tonight. Stock is at an all-time high. I mean, stock's still low multiple. still got a good yield. And I think it will have an upside surprise because Hot Tan tends to deliver. He bought CA. That's doing quite well. So that's one if you want to, if you believe there's going to be a deal. And it is interesting that the president, first time, I think, says they want one and we want one, which is different. Do I necessarily want one? That's beside the point. Plus, you'll have Adobe and Oracle I've and got Costco Adobe. to kick Adobe's around. A, and Adobe tonight is a very, very big interview because will they maintain the 20% guidance? It's a remarkable company. Robinhood, by the way, that's how people, younger people invest. They have millennials. Do you want to keep track of millennials? I know you keep telling me 10 million accounts. I keep hearing you say that. Well, that's because it's news and important. I've, I've, I've been listening. So do you want me to talk about the Jets versus Baltimore? Do you want me to do that? No. It's the reason for the Ameritrade Squab merger in some ways. Thank you very much. That's all I want to What know. you would I say. Didn't know whether you felt that um, it's time for Le'Veon Bell to stop bowling and start running. By the way, Schwab gets an upgrade today, too, over at Compass Point. But Compass Point. You know, Compass Point. I'm, a lot of new firms out there. You've been listening to the opening hour of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. 